0: Well, welcome to another episode of the Welcome to the Table podcast. I can tell you already, this is going to be a phenomenal episode because we've been having way too much fun. It's been hard to start. Uh, But if you're new to listening or watching the show, uh, my name is Khalil. My name is Sean. We've got Jeff Gowing in the house. And then we've got uh, a new guest as well. Sean, I'll let you do some introduction. Yeah.
1: So Lori Warning is somebody who uh, we have grown to love recently she lights up a room is extremely uh, bright and brilliant and fun and funny uh, she will get into a little bit of the story of how uh, you know uh, what has led her to doing what she's about to embark on but she was at the national office or is at the national office for the assemblies of God and um, and she's uh, occupied a number of roles there and Been a kid's pastor, too. You were a children's pastor for many, many years, right? Like 15 years or something like that? Yeah, for over
2: 16 years.
1: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Something fun, maybe something nobody would really know about you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, Sean, thank you. That was all very, very kind words. And I just have to say, um, after being with you recently at an event that you led, I think the one thing that I have said about you specifically is that you are an authentic leader, but beyond wow. that, among your teams, you have created authentic leadership as a culture. And so for that, I just thank you for being okay. that type of leader,
1: okay. oh, um, thank you.
2: right? Come on, can you feel the love it's it's here, <laughs> right? So anyway, uh, hey, guys, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm honored to be a part of this. Um, Children's ministry. Yeah. So I went off after, after high school, got called into the ministry at camp right before going into my freshman year of high school, went off to Bible college in Springfield, Missouri. And after my junior year, having learned everything I obviously needed to know about ministry and, you know, uh, being a pastor and and the Bible, uh, went home and did my internship at my home church in eastern Iowa. And by the end of that summer, um, God completely flipped the script on me. And I spent my summer doing summer kids park outreach. Now, guys, this was in uh, 1995. And. It wasn't like you just went out and Googled how to do children's ministry. There was none of that. So in about four weeks, I put together a team of junior high kids who had a free summer and no vehicles, so they were stuck. And I figured (laughs) out how to do puppets and go in the parks. And I put together this ministry team. Had no clue what I was doing. And uh, after that summer, it was very clear that God had a a, a clear path for me and ended up going on staff there at my home church as the first paid children's pastor at that church. And uh, so, yes, that's how I started in kids ministry. We were on staff, my husband and I, I met him. He got saved shortly after Uh, I went on staff that fall. And uh, after about six to eight months, we started dating and he felt called into kids ministry. I was grateful for that. And so we served in ministry together for 16 years as kids pastors. And uh, yeah, about, I guess it's probably been about 10, maybe 10 years ago now, God just began to broaden our scope of ministry. We went into different, various leadership administrative roles in the church. And then like Sean said, I'm now at the national office.
0: Wow, that's awesome! Crazy. And uh, just for context, we hear a little noise in the background. Would you explain oh, yeah. where you are, what's going on, too? Because I think it just adds to it. Adds to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So literally, I'm in the quietest space. I actually ran into one of the campus pastors as I was running through the hall going, where's a quiet space that they're going to allow me to go. And so I'm in a glassed in room off the main auditorium at a, uh, you know, just a small country church in Ozark, Missouri. Uh, (laughs) Can I say the name of the church? Does it matter? James River Church. And they are. uh, This is not my home church, although this was our home church for many years. We served on staff here, and they're in the middle of a week-long special services called the Week of Power. And so, having just some incredible Holy Spirit-powered, empowered services this week, seeing just countless miracles, lives being changed, people being saved. So, um, I'm here to be on time for the service.
0: Revival that's so awesome. Out. We just love that Revival is everywhere and yeah. it wouldn't be a good we, podcast it is if we exciting. didn't have Revival in the background, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, awesome.
3: Revival is the soundtrack for Welcome to the Table podcast, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say here first. <laughs> here
2: uh I apologize for the extra noise, guys. Thank you for tolerating that. <laughs> no,
1: that's okay. It's okay. So what we'd like to do is I'd like for, you have a very compelling story and um, I think it's very relatable uh, to us and to our listeners. Would you kind of tell us a little bit about your journey over the last several years um, and how you're stepping into a completely new, kind of a lot of unknowns uh, yeah. hole with your husband and uh, you know how that might even kind of link to... Discipleship or spiritual disciplines? We talk a lot about spiritual disciplines on this podcast, and and uh, maybe maybe tell a little bit how those things might uh, overlap a little bit.
2: Yeah, and I'll just say, uh, if if you're a first time listener to this podcast, I've listened to several of the last couple of days. You guys do a great podcast, so thank you for what you do. Um, so yeah, so we've been in ministry uh, this year. My husband and I celebrate 25 years of marriage and um we we tried learning we tried learning (laughs) we're we're still learning uh to do ministry open-handed um and just to remember that it's it's his will it's god's will for our life that dictates our steps Uh, the word says that uh, he orders our steps Uh, we like to kind of mess those up or create our own steps but he's already got our steps ordered if we'll just surrender to him So in 2005, after 10 years of just incredible ministry as children's pastors at our church back in Iowa, God led us back to Springfield, Missouri for my husband to go through Bible College. He was trying to do online courses. We had two small children full time in ministry. And decided one day to sell everything, pick up, and become poor college kids starting over. And so we did that in 2005. And during that journey in 2007, my husband had the opportunity to travel to Africa on his very first missions trip. And he was gone for about three and a half weeks. Our kids were preschool and kindergarten at the time and left me at home with that. And when he came home from Africa, he said, babe, I think God's calling us to Africa. And honestly, I just said, you know what, babe, we'll put another prayer card on the refrigerator. We'll put another five bucks in the missions offering, but we are not going to Africa. Uh, and the reality behind that statement was um, I had my course planned out. I, I knew where God was leading me. And Africa was not in my plan. So fast forward over the years, um, missions has always been a huge part of our ministry, part of our personal lives. And about uh, 10 years ago, God began to open that door and show us opportunities. Um, and But the reality was uh, we were about a week away from stepping into a full-time role back into missions. And uh, somebody came to us and said, you know, you can't have debt to be a missionary. And we're like, nope, nobody explained that to us yet. We don't know how this works. And the reality... The truth was in the previous 10 years we earned uh, basically three college degrees between us we both i finished my bachelor's he earned a bachelor's i went on to evangel university and got my master's and at the time like uh just to be as transparent as we can be guys i don't usually share this but maybe someone needs to hear it we went through a season where we were on welfare just to provide groceries for our kids because you know at the time as full-time students you don't get paid the big bucks to go work jobs when you're trying to maintain full time school. And again, we started a little later in life. So we were on the journey. And when they signed up for those school loans and they said, hey, cost this much to do your classes, but we're going to give you this much. And you look at your bills and you look at your two kids and say, yep, we'll take it all. Well, that adds to a lot more debt than, you know, wisdom would have led me to believe I wish I would have taken on or that we took on but we had to say no to missions in a season where we really felt God was leading them that way because of our debt. Now there's a whole nother about 12 sermons in there I can preach, but we'll leave it at that. (laughs) So, uh, in 2018, when I transitioned to the national office, um, if I get off course, please redirect me. Um, when I came to the national office in 2018, God, uh, Well, God had a creative mind, but I was told the first thing I had to do in my role as the National Girls Ministries Director. So I led led our gender-specific ministry for girls through the Assemblies of God. And they said, the first thing you have to know is there's an international missions trip coming up in 2019 that you're going to lead. Now, guys, I had never gone anywhere internationally. Um, I had to get a passport. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I come to find out, they said, you're going to go to Vanuatu. Now, if you know Vanuatu, then you're probably unique because not many people know about Vanuatu. It's a series of islands in the South Pacific. Yeah. And um, we got to meet the missionaries. And I remember sitting in a conference room and they played this slideshow for me. And I was having flashbacks to watching National Geographic as a kid in the late 70s on a Sunday night. And I'm like, wait, this is a, this is a current video? Like this stuff is happening now? I mean, like you let your imagination run wild That's what I was seeing. And that's where they were telling me, you're going to lead a team. Well, thankfully, um, God provided and my husband got to go on that trip with me. Long story short, that whole trip completely rocked my world because I stood in a village where people literally did not know the name Jesus. There was no translation for it. And there were people there who didn't understand that there was hope beyond their current circumstances. And I remember staying on our last night, having been to these crazy villages and seeing these people who were just desperate and getting ready to fly back to the United States. And just once again, opening my hands and saying, OK, God, if this is where you've been trying to lead us, I'm all in. I, I, there's nothing else I can do or say, but just say yes to you. Uh, we come back to the United States and I'm realizing I don't have to go to Vanuatu to see people as desperate as I saw there, because they're really just across the street. I just had to have the eyes and the spirit of God to see them. Mm -hmm. So through that journey, God connected us through an amazing ministry called Africa tabernacle evangelism. It's a long story. Someday I'll, I'll, you know, when my book goes for sale someday to raise money for missions, y'all make sure you buy it. But, uh, uh, God led us to this incredible ministry. So in 2020, I know that year will ring bells in everyone's ears, but in January of 2020, we were approved to begin raising funds as U.S. or as AG world missionaries to serve with Africa Tabernacle Evangelism. Um, But we would be based out of Springfield. At the same time, I was being uh, prepared to be promoted into a new role that I serve in now. My response to God was, "Okay, finally, you've given me the desires of my heart. My husband can travel back and forth to Africa. I can continue to serve and have these amazing opportunities and stay right here where there's Dairy Queen and Panera and McDonald's and all is right with the world. (laughs) But then God. (laughs) So uh, about a year ago, actually this week. I ended up going on another international trip with National Girls Ministries, and I end up in East Africa for the first time ever. And all I can say is, uh, not only did Africa get a hold of my heart, but so did God. And I came home, and it just, again, so many chapters yet to be written in between that whole season. But uh, long story short, Last Thursday, my husband and I wrapped up a week, or last Friday, we wrapped up a week of training here in Springfield, Missouri with the AG World Missions Office, and we have been approved as uh, full-time career missionaries. April 1, we start raising funds, and our prayer is by June of 2024, we will be moving to Cameroon, Africa to build tabernacles, and I will be working with a ministry called Africo Asis, which is a compassion arm for Africa
0: hmm it's so, crazy what a journey it's yeah. crazy journey. isn't it awesome it is awesome yeah. so
2: so from my... a a kid's pastor in iowa to africa i don't know how it works that's
3: the book <laughs> that's the book right there <laughs> So,
0: so <laughs> my question is what's what's the lesson from that story yeah i mean i'm sure there's many so
2: Yeah. Oh my goodness. When we travel and speak, uh, primarily as our itinerating as missionaries, uh, the one thing that God has just shown me more than anything is just, if you'll give me your, yes, I'll give you way more than you ever asked for. So, uh, one of the things that God continually has to put me on my knees about is my pride and my selfish desires. And I'm really good at planning and putting in the checklist and and picturing what does this look like. And none of it looks like what I pictured in my mind, but the incredible blessings that God has brought into our lives just over the last couple of years is unreal. So Taylor, uh I feel like the words that God has been just putting in my spirit again and again is just dependency. Complete dependency on him. And that's just saying, God, I give you my yes today as I wake up and I figure out, you know, I got to go to the grocery store and I got to get laundry done. And, you know, the house is a mess. God, I'm going to depend on you for all those things. God, we've got to travel and we've got to speak and we've got this event coming up. God, I can't do it unless I depend on you. Um, You asked me earlier, Sean, something about me that people wouldn't know. I didn't even mention this to you earlier, but I am a complete passionate lover of Southern gospel music. Okay. But there is this old Southern gospel song. I mean, we're talking Gaithers, the whole nine yards, you guys, I'm, I'm all in, but there's an old song that says, I can't even walk unless you're holding my hand. Mm. And that is where daily God continues to take me. Um, Lori, you you read your Facebook feed, but I'd really just love you to just kind of let me feed you today. Lori, I know you've checked your emails, Lori, have you checked out what my plans are for you today? I mean, that's just, that's, that's real. That's what, that's what the day to day looks like, but giving God my yes, that's, that's one of the big lessons for me.
1: So what does that look like practically? You know, when we, when we say, Hey, um, give me, give me your yes, or, you know, you've checked out the Facebook feed, you've checked your emails, you you've checking these tasks off, but what does it look like? What does divine interruption look like? What does it look like to just daily say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm just going to abide. And uh, yeah, maybe you can give a little bit of insight onto that uh, for you personally.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, just a very real example um, just the other day we were talking and we were in actually a training where they were talking about that very word, Sean, abiding and knowing that, uh, that abiding, that connection to the source, to the vine, you know, he, Mm-mm. he's, we are to find the branches and that idea of just being so connected to him. Um, while we were in a training where that was being taught a couple days ago, last week. I remember being so convicted, sorry about that, so convicted because God immediately took me back to a conversation just the week before with a coworker who was having a personal situation, struggling, and I was so proud of myself because, man, I gave them good wisdom, and when they walked out, they were saying, Lori, thank you. That was good wisdom, but I never once prayed for them, Mm -hmm. and I remember in that moment just saying, oh, man, God, my words... Those don't my experiences. Those are great things. But in that moment, if I would have just stopped and said, God, what do you want to say through me? God, what do you want to say to this person? Um, the other reality is, you know what? Getting in my car, seeing my neighbor and just doing a wave. But when did I stop and walk over to them? Hey, how you doing? I noticed your son's car is not here. Has, has he has he gone back to college? What's going on? I knew he was talk- like, when does that stuff trump our agenda. Um, You know, for me, the other thing is in in my current role, I have some amazing opportunities to stand on some phenomenal platforms. Uh, Sean, I had an incredible opportunity being with you, just amazing opportunities. My personality feels much more comfortable on a platform with a microphone. And God continually is stretching me to say, Lori, just sit down and take time with me, because I'm going to, I'm going to cross your path with people this week, talking about being here in these Bible services, something I heard Monday night. Sometimes God doesn't want to do something for you. He wants to do something through you. And so, you know, I think when I go into my abiding time, it's like, God, what do you have for me today? Give me a word. God, give me something fresh. But sometimes it's that switch of saying, God, what do you have to put in me today that you're going to use me to speak to someone else. Um, part of, not even part, I, I work in tandem hand in hand with our discipleship ministry here at the national office and have had some incredible opportunities to help develop some resources. When you talk about what is a disciple, we're, if we say we're followers of Christ, what does that mean? It means that I am a follower and a learner of Jesus Christ. I need to know him in such an intimate way that he makes me look more like him than like I think I need to look. But he doesn't do that for me. He does that because as a disciple, my number one role is to be a discipler, Mm -hmm. whether that's in Africa or that's in line at Walmart. My number one responsibility beyond being a disciple of Jesus Christ is to being a discipler in every context. And I sometimes want to put discipleship in this box or tie it to a curriculum, but discipleship may look like me standing in line with someone at Walmart who's obviously frustrated and saying, hey, do you want to go ahead of me? I'm not, I don't really have a time frame. It looks like maybe, would you like to go ahead of me? Could that be discipleship? You know what? If it looks like Jesus, then I think it's discipleship, because if I'm going to follow Jesus, then his pattern that I see in God's word is follow me like I follow Christ. Follow me. Jesus is like I follow my my heavenly father. Uh, Is it in Luke where he's talking to his disciples? I think it's I'm probably being here radical here. I don't want to be radical, uh, but I think it's in, in the, it's in the Gospels. I guarantee you that but I think it's in Luke where he talks about follow me and I will send you out. Um, it's just that idea that everything we do in our lives, me being a children's pastor for 16 years was not about for me to go, man, look at this incredible ministry. Look how God blessed it. My greatest thing that I take away from my 10 years of ministry in our first church was one of the kids that was in our kids church two years ago was hired as the children's pastor at that church. He called me and my husband and said, can I just spend 30 minutes on the phone with you? I've got questions. The fact that we still get to be a part of his discipleship journey, hands down, one of the greatest things we've ever been a part of. I don't even know what the question was, Sean. Did I answer anything you just asked? Mm,
1: that's cool.
2: No. <laughs> while <laughs> while worship rehearsal is You're going on. You're answering everything. The are being uh, fair, all the this questions.
0: Is great. It's so good. It's sometimes it's... Mm-hmm. it's well, I I know I know that it is right, and I know that it's anointed because worship <laughs> is filling the background. It's the atmosphere okay. is lifting as we speak in this moment. Um, I had a question though for you, and um, was simply as you talking about discipleship. You know, could this be discipleship? That is discipleship. I am a disciple. I'm supposed to be making disciples. Uh, would you mind just helping us define yeah. that term a little yeah. bit? Yeah, so from a disciple you know,
2: is follower, learner of Jesus Christ. someone who's following Him, uh, who who resembles Him, and I think that's that whole daily challenge. Everything we do to look like Jesus. Um, I think the older I get, the wiser I get. <laughs> right. Um, I used to think I used to set that bar of how, how close could I get to looking like Jesus on this side of glory, right? That's kind of an old phrase on this side of glory. I used to set that bar pretty low. It's like, man, we're in a simple world. There's, you know, I can only attain this much to look like Christ. I don't know. I think, I, I think, I think God has challenged me to raise the bar and to not set my expectations sure. so low. I think I can get as close to his glory as I want to get. Um, I know perf- I know, perfection can't be attained on this side because sin is in the world. That's okay. I remember at one point in my life thinking, well, I can't go through a day without sinning. So that's why as a young kid, every night I'd crawl into bed going, yes. oh, Jesus, forgive me of every sin that I did, that I thought I did, that I didn't do. And I don't want to miss the rapture. Like, you know, this, this living under this complete condemnation, Right. And as I grew and understood the grace of God, there's this whole idea of, God, I know temptation came my way, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to succumb to that temptation. So a disciple, someone who is learning and following Jesus. Um, Discipleship, again, it's, it's not a curriculum. And I'm not even sure the majority of it should happen inside the walls of the church. I think that's a great place for it to happen and it needs to, but I think too many times we Mm. put discipleship in the box of a context of a classroom or a preaching scenario or a small group scenario. Even Um, I think some of the greatest discipleship moments for me have happened in those unexpected conversations when someone is just in their real raw self And is transparent and authentic and honest enough to say, Lori, I'm trying to figure out what this is all about. How do I read the Bible? That's discipleship. Literally last week in in this missions training, we're in this room with all these phenomenal people who are saying yes to God and giving up their preference to say yes to wherever God's taking them to just crazy places that I think y'all are nuts. Why are you going there? But when God calls you, go. And I had this one young woman, she's been married less than two years. So there's, there's enough right there questions, but now they're going to go and be missionaries. And she comes to me and she says, how do I have a devotional life in an 800 square foot apartment with a man that I'm still just trying to figure out how to live with? That's discipleship. That's sitting down, stopping what I'm doing, telling my husband, hey, I'm not going to eat lunch with you because I'm going to go have this conversation. (laughs) And it's walking through and saying, well, what does God ask of you? And how does that look? You know, so I mean, it's discipleship. And it's taking a phone call. Two days ago, I was here at a revival service. And I get a text from a friend who is going through a very difficult season. And I stepped out of the service. Service hadn't quite started yet. And I spent the next hour and a half on a phone call. Um, some people would have said, Lori, just send it to a counselor. You know, counseling, there, there is a critical need and a place for counseling among the body. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But sometimes just someone needs to know that you're willing to stop and listen. Because I think that's what Jesus did.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's been so many times in the words where you'll see he was going to a quiet place and then the crowds came. Yeah. There's so many times that I went what feels good for my flesh, but in those moments, I still have to be willing to succumb to where God's leading me and say, you know what, in this moment, he's asked me to do this. I don't know. Am I answering your question? Yeah. I I guess my big... (laughs) What I love
3: love about this picture of discipleship is that it's not, um, like you said, it's not about perfection. I heard it said recently, like that following Jesus is not about perfection. It's about direction. It's the, it's how we're pointing our lives. And so, yes, um, you know, I think breaking it down for everyday followers of Jesus who are just trying to get it right. I mean, we hot button this word discipleship, but what can it look like? It looks like whatever path is going to force us into submission to the picture of Jesus. And, and I love that you as in your life, it's, it's a model of that. And Ruth Haley Barton puts it this way, like that the greatest gift we can give to those we lead is our transformed selves. In other words, God's Mm. transforming our hearts, God's transforming our lives. And, um, so talk, can you, can you kind of synthesize it a little bit to think, (laughs) think a little bit about (laughs) how, your, um, your story has been used by God, you know, like in real time IRL, uh, to help point others towards Jesus as you're being transformed, those hard, man, my pride gets in the way, like that realization, that humility right there, just to say, this is where I'm at is, is so liberating, but how along the way have you recognized God using your transformed self to point others in the direction of following Jesus?
2: Yeah, I think for me, again, um, my pride um, is probably the number one place where the enemy loves to just say, Lori, look at this. Look at this platform you get to step on. Lori, look at this person who's asking for your personal cell number. Who wants to email you? Lori, look, look at this. And then you get in these situations. I'll never forget. I was, I think I was in Wisconsin. I was at an event. I'm on the platform and, you know. There's nothing more exhilarating in the flesh than to have people greet you at the door and just like, Oh, we're so glad you're here. Oh man. We are so glad you're here. Like, I'm like, yeah, you are. Yeah. You are. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, uh, just being real guys. And then you get up on the platform and suddenly God speaks to you and say, talk about that dark place. So I remember being this, uh, it was, it was mainly women at this event, and I get up there and God says, I want you to, I want you to share this part of your life. Um, this was just less than three years ago, maybe less than two years ago, maybe at this point, uh, at the age of 24, God began to allow me to have memories of a sexual abuse by a guy in our church, a single man in our church when I was between the ages of four and six, um, walked through that journey. I was newly married, had just had my first child, walked through that journey. Um, God was so redemptive through it all. But about uh, just a few months before I went to this event, um, things were just being brought up again. And I did some research and found out that that man had died in an accident And there was a part of me that kind of relived this again. So all that to say, I'm on the platform and all of a sudden God says, I want you to share that story. I'd never shared it publicly before. And I think what was so hard for me in that moment, I went to a place of such vulnerability and such, I exposed a part of my life. Um, I can get up and before this point, I thought, man, I can do a polished message. Man, I can do a great altar call. Man, I can do some great closings. And that night I stood sobbing, snot running down my face, like the nasty, ugly junk, whatever, the whole nine yards. And that night God did something greater in that service than I had ever seen happen before. And it was in that point where God said, Lori, if you'll just give me your vulnerability, I don't need your I don't need your ability to communicate. I don't need your ability to uh you know, exegete the word of God. I don't need that. I just need you to show who you are in me. So that vulnerability, it's kind of hard to get puffed up and be proud when suddenly you're like, here's my inner guts. Let me show you this. And then can we just come together on common ground? It kind of becomes hard to be so pride and proud in that moment. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the, the, the story of, you know, the chicken and the egg. Do you want to participate in what God is doing? Or are you willing to commit to what God is doing? The chicken can produce an egg and he can participate. Or the chicken can give its life and commit. Uh, I just heard a comedian joke about this the other day, because when you go to Chick-fil-A for breakfast now, you can get both the chicken and the egg at one time. That just is a creepy illustration itself. But I began to say, say, God, Lori, are you going to do the egg? Are you just going to participate in what I'm doing? Or are you willing to commit it all and commit yourself to what okay. I'm doing? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Jeff, did I answer your question?
3: I think, I was, I think it's great. Um, and then what I love too is when you're sharing about this, it's it's a dependence on the Holy Spirit. It's not like you're just taking all your stuff and like, hey, let me just bleed all over everyone. There's. Um, yeah. It's a no there's no barriers to your life. God, you waste nothing. The good, the bad, the ugly, uh, the times, like, you know, the times where we were struggling to go back to college and do all that stuff to where, you know, all the, all the, the checkpoints within that, but just to surrender to the Holy spirit. And I think for whoever's listening to this, you know, whatever lane or Avenue you're in, um, I think it's important for every single Christ follower just to submit to the Holy Spirit to say, "How will You use me today? Um, How can my story? How can my past, God? How can what happened last week uh, be used for Your glory and and for the good of others?" You know, I think Eugene Peterson says that as Christians, we're called to be rescuers of people. We're called to redeem people, and Mm. uh, through through and God uses any means necessary. So I just love that. So you answered yeah. it over here. I just was like, it, it struck my, my brain. Khalil's thinking, I see it.
0: Well, you know, when you asked the question, I was going to um, just add the thought that I think it's so important to, to talk about discipleship in daily life, because, um, you know, Laura, you said that in some ways your personality is more comfortable on a platform than than off of the platform. And so for many of us who are in vocational ministry, that could be true. It's easier to lead from the front of a room, than to be in the midst of life with everyone, but uh, and be be a leader in that way. But for many people listening, they may think, "Man, I could never be on a platform." Right. And if we limit, if we limit discipleship to the classroom or to the Sunday morning gathering or the Bible study that someone else is leading then we look at that and we go, I could never be a disciple maker. Right. Like I would love my friends to know Jesus. And I maybe I could convince them to come to church so that my pastor can disciple them. But when we bring discipleship back into simply authentic relationship that points people to Jesus, then that becomes something that every Christ follower can do. And yeah. I think it's just really valuable for us to, to get it back down to something that's approachable in that way. Because I see that in so many people. they. Don't think that they have what it takes to be a disciple maker because they don't right. know enough, or they didn't do a Bible degree, or they could never teach from the front of the room, or they are not even comfortable
1: leading a Bible study.
0: Yeah. Um, and then just, I think about spiritual community and that that's what God created by his Holy Spirit. He made it a community of people with their own brokenness, but experience of God's grace that they get to share with one another.
2: Right. I think one of the easiest ways that discipleship can happen in everyday experiences is just by sharing our personal stories. Um, yeah. when, when you're, you know, on the works, worksite, site, job site in the office, next to the cubicle at lunch, um, on a smoke break, whatever that looks like. Um, and you're talking with people and, and there's this idea that, um, someone talks about, man, I just, I am not sleeping at night. I don't know what's going on on. And if you can say, man, you know what I, at night, I have a hard time sleeping too. You know, what's worked for me is I turn on worship music. Can I share with you a playlist? I I don't know if this is your style of music. I would love for you to try to listen. Just try one night, listen to this. like those are, that's the everyday real stuff of discipleship. And just saying, you know, this is like, where did you get this music? Where did you kind of, you know, this is different than what I listened to. Where, well, actually this is music that talks about The love of God. And then it begins to open the door. Well, what do you mean the love of God? That's all that church stuff. Yeah, I go to church, but can I tell you about what's changed in my life? Um, My husband has this incredible, dramatic testimony that, you know, at the age of 25, grew up Midwest, small town, Iowa, never heard the gospel till he was 25. The night he hears it, radically delivered instantly, two pack a day smoker, Drugs, alcohol, you name it, completely delivered. Radical. That's not my story. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a church home. And in junior high, our family kind of went through this traumatic situation. And for about three years, we were outside of the church and I got really wild. I cussed. That was my rebellion. Like my testimony doesn't (laughs) stand up next to Darren's in that context. But what does always hold true is the fact that, you know what? The reality is, is I was lost. I wasn't lost naked and afraid, like the, you know, the 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 show that everyone's watching, (laughs) whatever. Somebody was just asking, like, have you seen the latest episode? No, (laughs) I haven't. anyway, I (laughs) listen to Gaithers. Why would I watch that? Anyway, um, but the idea that I was lost because I'm looking for peace in my life. And I wasn't finding it in everything around me. I was just looking for some hope and There's got to be more than getting up and just going to work and coming home and doing the dishes and making dinner and changing the diapers and going to bed and doing it again. There's got to be more. You're right. There is. In the midst of the everyday, there's so much more. Let me tell you about where my more comes from. My more comes from the hope and this man named Jesus, he changed my life. That's everyday discipleship. Share your story. Jesus shared stories all the time because nobody wants to listen to, well, let me go ahead and tell you what, you know, Ecclesiastes, you know, whatever. Just tell
0: your story. <laughs> sure.
2: I love Ecclesiastes. Well, and I love that. So
0: I love listening. <laughs> I love listening for the simple that I'm like, I can do that. And so two, right. two of the greatest ones I've gotten, one was from Darren Poe. And Darren Poe just said, uh, and he's been on the, a previous episode here. He said, anything you learn about Jesus, pass it on. Right. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I can do that. That's so easy. And then from you uh, at the conference that we just did in Oregon is really what you just said. But that simple phrase of like, man, you know, are, oh, you're feeling depressed. I used to feel that way, too. Yeah. Can I tell you what changed for me or can I tell you what I do? Like, yeah. And then immediately it's an easy opportunity to point someone to Jesus. I just love those practical and simple things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And immediately and we're going to we're going to get wrapping up here in a sec. But uh, the thought that wait, you don't
2: want to stay on for the, me the message. Is-
1: it sounds like it's going to take a long time until they get to that message um you know just uh the apostle paul when he talks about the imagery of the body and how everybody's story matters when it comes to passing on when it comes to apprenticing when it comes to walking and journeying and pilgriming with people you know um Jeff is different than me and Khalil. Khalil is different than, than, uh, me and Jeff and so on and so forth. And in all of our stories, they are all, uh, d- not, not only are they shaping us, but they are preparing us to walk with others, with one another. And, um, that body imagery, how every part of the body, um, is important and vital and carries with it a certain role in, uh, imaging I like to say, we like to say, imaging Jesus to a world that desperately needs Him, to a body that desperately needs Him, the church. I need Him every day. I I I don't only preach the gospel to other people in multiple different avenues, but I preach it to myself. Right. Uh, So I think that's just that's just beautiful. I'll give you the I'll give you the last word, and then if Khalil wants to tell us a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about our Patreon, but I'll give you the last word, Lori. Oh man. Do you want to say, if you want to say something else?
2: Well, I'll just tell you guys, you thank you again. To. So this has been a blast. Thank you for enduring the reality of the stances. I'm so sorry. Um, you know what guys, the fact that the journey that God has brought us through, it's been a crazy journey, but as God is preparing us now for this next season of life, my husband's 52, I'll be 51 this year. And now that we're making this, this amazing choice to follow God to Africa, um, that's our next step. Each of us have a next step. Each of us have that next thing. None of us have reached that place where it's like, and this is where God has brought me to. None of us are there yet. Um, in our own discipleship, our personal discipleship, but in the discipling of others, none of us are where we need to end the game. Um, so for all of us, just in spending time with God, that abiding time, that, that learning to hear his voice and knowing that, you know, when you're pumping gas, am I sensitive enough to the word and the voice of God in my life? That if he says, uh, I want you to go talk to the guy at the other pump, are we just going to say that doesn't make sense? Cause I can tell you at this age and stage of our life, picking up and moving to Africa, doesn't make sense on paper, but if we will just continually keep our hands open to what God has for us in our personal discipleship journey and in the journey that wherever God has for us, I'm telling you, the church will be stronger when each of us see it as our own personal responsibility to lead those around us in the moments that we're given. Take those moments.
0: Thank you. Super good. Yeah. Thanks, Lori, for being on. This has been so fun and such a good conversation. We will let you get to the revival. Um, But but I would just say, you know, to our listeners, a big takeaway from this conversation has to do with walking with and relationship and maybe walk uh, close enough in life with those around us that we may share Jesus and his love with the people around us and we would bring them around our table uh, and may we walk close enough with Jesus in relationship that when he speaks and guides us and leads us into um, new things that we're, we're able to hear and we're able to follow him. And I think Lori, your story uh, just paints that so well, we just got to hear a, a short version of it, but mm-hmm. to just hear you following the voice of Jesus and following him as he's led you to new things is very inspiring and encouraging for all of us and our listeners. So thanks again. And of course, listeners, we've always got our Patreon page. If you want more Welcome to the Table content, yes. you can join our Patreon page. You can support us. You can share. You can like. You can subscribe. You can do all the things. But there, you get a podcast episode every single week as well as some other bonus content. And that's just our way of saying thank you for listening. Lori, thanks for being on here. We hope you have a good thank one. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. All right.